Dear Heavenly Father, as we come, Lord, the words of that song said that before I was born, you sung over me. What was the song you sung? What's the song you sung of the new baby? Is it could it possibly be that the passion that I have for you will never die and you will have a passion for me and it will never die? Lord, let us as we come to hear your word proclaimed today, let it drive the passion and kindle the flame in us, Lord, that revival will start, revival will start here by us saying yes to you and no to the world. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Just a couple quick announcements real quick before we start there is this particular week and next week, I'll be here next Sunday, but Monday through Friday, I probably won't be back until late on Friday, I will be at Emory for school. The next week is the same thing. Uh, I may be up there until Saturday next week. Uh, with that is going along, I forgot to mention the cards, I see some of you filled them out, the cards there, so... Uh, I'll get it figured out. Give me six, seven years, and I'll get this whole worship thing figured out. So, Our lesson today comes out of Luke, chapter 10, verses 5 through 12. I think we got a little bit further up there going up. I'm going to stop at 12, because I'm going to back up a little bit. This is the story in which Jesus tells, or the event that is being told to us through the eyes of Luke, about Jesus sending out 70. And one of the main things I want you to gather from this sermon is that there's nothing in the Bible that's not important. Every word, every number in the Bible is important towards our salvation. And there's a story to be told with it all. And, and so when we start at 10, I'm going to just kind of paraphrase again like I've done before. And it says that uh, at verse 10, chapter 1, says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70. After what things? And so you've got to go backwards when you study this. You've got to go backwards with it. And just real quick, we're not going to go back real far, but just to chapter 9, verse 51, where number one, the Samaritans, you've got to understand where Jesus is in his ministry here, the Samaritans reject Jesus. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a love-hate relationship with the Jews anyway there. The number two is in verse 57, the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. And this is where the church gets in trouble today. The cost of discipleship. What does it cost you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Your salvation was free gift of grace by God. It will cost you everything you have. Because everything you have is given to you and me by God. And we're to give it all back to Him. Our lives now belong to Him. Uh, then verse 59, I like this, this is going to be trying for our sermon today. Verse 59, Jesus said to him, follow me. Come, you know, I got work for you to be done, that needs to be done. And what do the people say here, oh, in, the, in the particular passages, is, uh, oh, wait a minute, I've got to go bury my father. And that sounds like a reasonable request, but what we understand with that passage, dad's not dead yet. In other words, Jesus is saying that when there's work to be done, I know this never happens at Lake Park United Methodist Church. When there's work to be done, people just eagerly jump in and come. There's no excuses given, correct? I mean, just, I, mean I know this church is not that way. Another church that I've been at has been kind of that way, but not here. 
I, I can promise you that. Uh, and, and so that leads us up to where the Lord tells him to go out and he says, and again, with this excuse thing, he says, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Uh, and carry nothing with you. There is our mission for the thing. And then we jump up to chapter 5. That's where I'm going to start off reading for you. But whatever, that, but whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house. It will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things that, as they are given. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter uh, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day of Sodom than it was for this city. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right, we're working on that. All right. All right. Uh, so here we go along with that is, uh, what we're seeing here is I need to bring up a couple technical points to us real quick. There's nothing in the Bible, nothing in the Bible that is just there. This is why sometimes if you're going to study the Word of God, you need to have a good translation with you. Uh, not all translations are the same, but we're not going to get into that. The first is the number 70. 70 obviously is 7 times 10. And the Jews, the Jews don't have numbers, so the alphabet is part of the numbers. So every, every letter has a meaning to it. And so we're going along here. Number seven is the number of completeness, restoration, to be full, to be completely satisfied, good or perfect. This is all going to be important in just a minute. The number ten is the number of perfection of divine order, completeness of order, a divinely ordered events. Jesus is sending 70 out going along there. Seventy, the number seventy, all together, add those two together there, a restoration of unity. At the time, there were seventy known nations. Uh, the word of God, uh, the word of God is the what? The revelation that tells us the word of God means to preach to all nations. It's the perfect spiritual order, spiritual power, and significance. He says, send them out two by two. The number two is good. The living word, number two, is the second person of the Godhead, the Son. Uh, number two is come alongside to help. Uh, we see where uh, King Solomon writes two stronger than one. Also, in the Mosaic Law, it takes two to be a witness, to witness to something good or bad. Uh, it takes two people. So, see, what we got to understand here, you know, there's millions of people in this area, literally, if you ever see a, a video today, watch the news about Jerusalem and Israel, the crowdedness was the same then, too. The crowded thing. So why did he take 70? Why not 71, 78, 80, 70? 
See, there's a, there's a meaning here in the Bible. And the whole meaning is, is that Jesus is saying, take the word of God to all nations. In fact, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 tells us, go therefore make disciples of all nations. In Acts, it tells us to start right where you're at and start preaching the Word of God and, and go along. We know when we become saved and we become a good child of God that we, we enter into the priesthood of God. You realize that you are responsible to preach the Word of God or, as I like to say, proclaim the Word of God everywhere you go? St. Francis would say, he would go along and there's a monk that was following with St. Francis one day. And St. Francis went into town and he gave out blankets and food and money and all those things. And he's coming back and the young monk sat and says, you know, I'm disappointed. I heard that you were a great orator and you could really preach the word of God. And St. Francis tells him, he says, go everywhere you go, preach the word of God. Use words if you must. How we live our lives matter. How we live our lives matter to God and what we're doing. And so what we're seeing here in this story, the underlying story and the outlying story, is that God has sent the word of God. Go and tell the world, the two, to be the witnesses about to all nations to share that the kingdom of God has come near to you. We're going to go back to Leviticus and the eight feasts. There's seven feasts. We're talking about the eight feasts. The first feast is the feast of the Sabbath feast. And we'll get to the feast for another day. The feast of Sabbath is, is the, the, the day of rest. It doesn't mean to sit home and watch. I heard somebody say eight weeks college football starts. I guess that's on a Saturday. But, you know, we're going along there. I'm not a big, big football fan or anything. But, so, but it doesn't mean to stop and stay home and watch NASCAR football, baseball, or something else. The day of rest was work for six days, stop for one day to go in the meeting place that has been set up to you to worship God. And I will meet you there. You realize this is the hardest thing for the church to come to realize that you are in here, in the sanctuary, because we have this, we have commissioned this to be our meeting place with God. You are in the very presence of God. If you don't feel the presence of God, you don't feel interaction with God, it is not God's fault. You need to look at your heart for spirituality. If you don't feel the presence of God, when I walk in the door and I can hear, I'm coming in right at eight, and I can hear the praise bands already going. I mean, you can, to me, I, when I open the door, I can feel. And as uh, we learned on the, the other the war room, I can smell the presence of God. Because he's here. He's already here. He was here before us. And so we're going along. But what Jesus is going to say here to us, number one, ministry is hard. Why is our church, why do we have so many empty pews? Ministry is hard. And even Jesus, Jesus is the one sending these people out. Jesus is sending them out. And he says, but you still need to pray to the Father that he will send helpers as you go out and you can go live with these people, that you, he will send helpers because Ministry's hard, people. Uh, ministry's hard. In the old days in America, I guess the old days is probably the long, word, wrong term there, but in the past days in America, you're, the church, the culture we lived in, the church was kind of our status. You know, it built, it, it just goes on. Usually the richer people were Catholics, the poorer people were Baptists, middle, the lower middle class people. And the middle class people were Methodists and Presbyterians. 
That's just, if you look at the, the history of churches, I know there are some Democrats don't get me going down the road on that, but, uh, but so we just go on. And when you come to a town, you like you move to Lake Park or move to some other town, you automatically join the church. And so the church was easy, really. People just come. The kids just come. Everybody just come. That culture is dead, people. It is gone, and it's not coming back. It is not coming back. It is our job as a church to develop a culture of community. Because in, the, in the, the, today's world, the culture is individualism. Whatever, you, whatever feels good, whatever you want to do, feels good, go ahead and do it. That is what the culture says. But the Bible says that the community of Christ is to be in community. Why are we going to do communion? Communion is community. And so we need to understand that. And so number one, ministry is going to be hard. And if you try to do it under your power, it's not going to work. I have done that, people. I had started, in fact, I shared with some of the people, yeah, we haven't really had a time to share about the call to ministry and everything else. When I first started ministry, I wanted to be, I think I'm funny at times. My family tells me I'm not. The dog at least is happy with me, but the rest of the crowd, but so besides that, I wanted to be the Charles Stanley J. Leno of preachers. Man, I, I worked hard at that. But I come to realize I didn't really have anything to say. I wasn't that funny. I wasn't that biblical. Because I was trying to do ministry for Larry and Larry's power and get the approval from men and women for me. And what I need to come to realize is I'm here to represent God. And I'm here to do God's mission, to speak God's word, to be a prophetic voice of God's word. Ministry's hard, people. Ministry hard, and ministry is messy. Ministry is messy. It's a tough world out there. And it's getting tougher. The world is getting tougher. Just turn on the news. The news is so depressing to me, I hardly watch it anymore. Uh, but so, you know, because it's a tough world out there, it's getting more and more tough. And that's what the, but the good news there is. There is good news with that. If you study in time stuff, if you study Revelation, then we're, we're right on track. We're right on track where God said we would be in the world today. But so that doesn't mean we need to stop doing what we're doing. We need to get out and get busy. He says, carry nothing with you. Rely 100% on God. 100% of the ministry in which you were called to do in this church, is to, or the church that you're from, and we have visitors today, is to be relied upon God. How many times do we start a ministry? Man, this sounds good. Food pan, clothing thing, a kid saying or feeding the hungry, or something. Man, it sounds like a good day. In the Bible, we're going to do something for God. And we never pray, God, is this what you want me to do? See, there's a lot of good ministries, but is it the ministry in which God wants you in? There's a lot of good things to be doing in the community, but is it something that God wants His church involved in? See, each church in the community has a mission by God. Go to Revelation chapters 2 and 3 with the seven lampstands that Jesus talks to. We have a mission within our community. We have a mission within our community. So go along, carry, take nothing away from your life, totally on God. When you go, and the next passage is kind of funny here, when you go, stay at one home. You stay at one home, don't go bouncing from house to house, eat whatever's given to you, that's good hospitality there. Uh, you go, go along there. What he's really saying, greet no one along the street. That sounds kind of rude. What really the message is saying here is, this is my problem, don't dilly-dally and chit-chat. 
Don't sit around, just sit around and you drink tea and, and do nothing all day, but just visit with the people. Get out. The message is so serious today that the lost world, people are dying and going to hell each and every day because the church refuses to get out and spread the word of God. That is just to cut that the chase is that the church refuses to spread the word of God. We refuse to share our faith. What's private faith? It's all about me. No, it's not. It's about us living before the living God. And God, we're the vessels in which God uses to spread the word to all the people. And we go along. Here's the fear. You've got to go to Revelation chapter 20. Uh, here's the fear of mine. You're going to sit there. That's where Jesus is on the throne. The saints, all those who believe in God, are coming back. Uh, this was after the millennial. And all the dead, not in Christ's dead, are raised. Those who refuse to accept Christ are going to die. What if, when you're standing behind the throne, there's your neighbor getting ready to go to hell? Your child. The lady or the man of gas pump across from you. The lady at Walmart. Walmart's my favorite store to pick on, by the way. Walmart at the checkout line was giving a hard time. You gave a hard time because you didn't know how to run the register right. And now you don't have to worry about that because you self-checkout. But, uh, but what if? God placed somebody in your life who felt a tug in your heart to share the gospel with that person, and you didn't. And at the end of the day, that person stands on the other side of you on their way to hell. That's how important it is. You know, a doctor's job, I don't know if we have any doctors in the church now or, or people in the medical field, those jobs are important to people. Obviously, we all do the doctors, we all take medicine, most of us do. But you realize that your and my job is more important. They deal with the here and now, making you well and healthy here and now. We deal with eternity. We're dealing with, they're dealing with doctors trying to keep you alive 70, 80, 90 years. We're trying to keep you alive and living with Jesus for eternity. And so that's, that's the difference between our jobs here. But go to the house, uh, go along there. Go to heal the sick. I still believe in the healing power of prayer. I honestly believe, that's what just gave me healing oil. Praise the Lord for you there. I honestly believe in the healing power of prayer. I believe that prayer changes things. I believe that we can shake the mountains and move the earth with prayer. But the church has lost its power. Oh, dear Lord, just thank you. Bless that message. Just go on, go on, go on, go on, Lord. No, get on your knees and cry out to God. Prayer, things will change and things will happen. I believe in the solid power of the Word of God and in prayer. And, and so we're going to go along there. We're going to go along. Then we can pray and we can go. We can change things. And we can heal the sick through our prayer. That God is still the great physician. He's still the miracle worker. He's still the one that moves the mountains. He moves things. He changes people. He's the one that controls it all. And he listens to our prayers. The prayers of the saints. Why is it so important to forgiveness of sins? To ask, continue to keep your sin list short, and to continue to confess your sins? It's so God will hear your prayers. That's a whole other sermon down the road there. But bottom line, bottom line, kingdom building is hard work. Kingdom building is hard, messy work. What do we need to do today? What's the next step? That's when I was an IG inspector in the military. What's the next step that needs to be done today? Well, take off your fancy clothes, put on your work clothes, roll up your sleeves, 
and get busy. There's no other way. You know, the days of the marquee, the days of the newspaper, uh, the days of push cards, all those will bring in about a 15% result to the number of people that see it. Uh, I do church studies on that. You know the number one way to grow the church today? The number one way. Anybody know the number one way? What? Word of mouth. Invite somebody. I don't invite people to church. I invite them into the presence of God. What if the story is I invited some motorcycle people the other day into come to church and I'm new pastor down there. I met them at the BP station. I'm the new pastor down here. I got a message on Facebook because this was just an odd thing. They went to church to Lake Park where the sign is and the door was locked. They went to the fellowship hall and not to the church. So maybe something we need to mark. We need to make a make, I mean, even when I first got here, I could see where that could be confusion. But so we go along. We need to roll up our sleeves. We need good ankle boots to support our feet. And we need to go out and get busy. We need to go out and get busy and realize it's not a hobby. Ministry is not a hobby. You all have been called to ministry. It's not a hobby. It's not a second half after thing. This is your primary job is to build the kingdom of God. Whatever job that God has you in, whether you're a school teacher, a nurse, a whatever, wherever you're at, God has placed you there to build the kingdom of God. He has placed you there to build the kingdom of God. And, and, and so we go along with that. Uh, we, we just need to realize that the church will never grow. We'll never, you know, like paying off the debt. I forgot, I was failed to mention that earlier in the beginning thing, pledge card for paying off the debt. You know how we're going to pay the debt off in this church? I got the one easy solution today. I don't know how much we owe yet. You know, I got the one easy solution today. Pull out your wallet, pull out your checkbook, and write the check. God has given us the right amount of money to do his kingdom, to do his kingdom work. Maybe we don't need to go out to eat as much. Maybe we don't need to do something else. But what is the sac what can we sacrifice to build the kingdom of God? Because what did Jesus, or what did God sacrifice for you? So his kingdom can be built on this world. His son. And so we got to realize that to get involved with this, to get involved in ministry, so many people think, well, I'm saved, I'm good to go. Your reason you were saved was to build the kingdom, is to share and to save somebody else. We are the vessels which God uses. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I'm going to do it with intention, but if you, uh, if you fear, uh, or you think maybe, you know, a lot of times, sometimes cancer patients or something don't want to be with others, don't feel bad if you want the little cup of the bread, and it's fine. If you don't want to take communion, that's fine. One of the things I love about the Methodist Church is communion is open to everyone. The beginning of the liturgy, it says, God invites you to the table. Number one, all who love him. Number two, earnestly repent of their sins. Number three, we should live in peace with one another. Those are the requirements to come to the table today. Age doesn't matter. None of it matters if it's those three things. Do you love God? Do you earnestly wish to repent from your sins? 
and you wish to live in peace with your neighbor. If that dinner came, if there were reclining, remember, nothing that's haphazard for Jesus. He knew that we were going to struggle. He knew that the kingdom of God, he wrote it in the word, that the kingdom of God was going to struggle with it. And that we were going to need the power. He gives us the power. But he said, this is my body. Today to be reminded, to be reminded of what God has done for us. And to be reminded that there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the outside world. There's a lot of lost people. So if you come today, Jesus didn't die just for you, He died for the whole world. Let us spread that message. Let us pray. Dear Lord of Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless those of us. The juice to be your blood, we ask that you bless the bread to be your body as we come and pay. That we will be filled with your grace and your Holy Spirit to give us the kindness, the love, and the power to go out and be a witness to you. And Lord, we ask for this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can I get Jeff to help real quick? And with the band, come on up. Let me give one quick instruction. I, I, you probably already know this, but I'm going to give an instruction anyway. You can take nothing from God. You give and receive from God. We will put a piece of bread in there. The body of Christ will for you. You dip it in juice. The blood of Christ poured out for you. We do Jeff first. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ.
You are standing in the kingdom of God. You are in the very presence of God. You have received his word, you have received his body, and you have received his blood. Will you go out into the world and share the kingdom of God with everyone you meet? Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, let the fire be built in us. Let the passion for you to be built in us. That there's a lost world out there, Lord. That we will go out, as we are dismissed from here, Lord. That we will go out into the world, Lord. And we will share your love with everyone we meet. Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the whole church with great excitement said, Amen. Amen. Amen.